0: In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing, whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.
1: You're listening to Muses. My name is Lynx, and I hope you enjoy the show. hello everyone and welcome to another episode of muses we are the podcast all about women of rock and roll today i have a super special guest my good friend martin bryan my listeners would know you from the photos that you've taken of me and shanti oh hello is that wine good
2: it's delicious (laughs) (laughs) hi everyone
1: (laughs) (laughs) great introduction (laughs) yes we're just having a glass of wine hanging out it's been a while this is really special because it's been a long time since i've done one of these in person and usually i'm on zoom looking at a face on a screen so to see you in person and to be able to have a glass of wine when it yes.
2: cheers cheers There you are. it's much needed mm-hmm. for sure these Thank covid you. days yeah what a mess
1: And we were planning this before
2: COVID. Oh, for so long we've been planning, and I think we wanted to do it virtually. But I'm like, no, yeah, no. We we
1: thought about (laughs) it, but it was like, let's wait, let's like do it right. And I'm so glad because yeah, I haven't. It's been a while, and I'm so happy to be doing this with you two. Martin and I worked at Massey Hall together, so you're a music lover. You appreciate. Women in music, mm-hmm. you appreciate women behind the scenes,
2: absolutely,
1: and you're, again, an amazing photographer, so it seemed right to talk about Annie Lebowitz with you.
2: Everyone loves Annie.
1: everyone loves Annie, and for a good reason, she's amazing. I don't really know that much about her. Uh, I know her work, obviously. We all know her work and I am excited because you're the one telling me this story so I get to kind of sit back and listen (laughs) and we can chat but yeah I got to like kind of take a break and let someone else do the research this time so thank you for that as well (laughs) well
2: hopefully I don't fuck it up (laughs) All right. <laughs> you're good. You're good. All right. So it all begins, folks, on October 2nd, 1949. Annie Lebowitz was born in Waterbury, Connecticut. I hope I didn't say that wrong. But I was born October 1st, 1988. Hey. And my mom kept me in for another day. You would have had the same Great birthday. thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, it would have been the same birthday.
1: My dad was born in
2: 1949, too. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Good year. year. Good year. <laughs> <laughs> these are the psychic connections the psychic <laughs> connections so she's basically the middle child of five other siblings and the daughter of marilyn edith who was a dance instructor and samuel lebowitz who was a lieutenant colonel in the u.s air force by the way i always mess up her last name like i <laughs> like i will say it like three or four different ways before and we... it's not the wine it's not the wine it's... <laughs> <clears throat> it's not the wine the wine will probably actually make it consistent <laughs> through the whole time which is interesting, actually, because my dad was actually in the Navy, so he was in the Army, and I moved around a lot. Not so much like her. She was basically raised in a car. I was not raised in a car. <laughs> and my mom worked on a fish plant, so it wasn't as poetic as, um, as, as her mom as a, as a dancer. But yeah, so her dad was in the Army, and they traveled a lot. And it's interesting, actually, because her and her family were so against the war, like the Vietnam War, oh, and her dad served in it. for quite a while yeah and it was basically her I don't know I guess it would it would be her mom and her father that kind of introduced her to photography but in two different kind of ways I think her mom was more of the informal kind of introduction to photography I guess her mom kind of brought the camera along on like family kind of get-togethers and it was kind of an extension of her so the family was kind of very used to
1: documenting getting
2: documented yeah gotcha. absolutely she, like it was basically the mom was documenting the family versus her father who basically made her move to the philippines him wow yeah and he really wanted her to go to the philippines university but she turned that down before moving to san francisco with her sister which is Ooh, san francisco yeah. san francisco Good choice. See the music yes yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a better choice than i guess philippines university but when she was in the Philippines, that was when she first was introduced to the darkroom. So, oh. which is really exciting.
1: Wow! So it was like pretty mm-hmm. young that she really kind of got into yeah, it.
2: Yeah, and it's interesting because she says that she was never really interested in photography. But you know, I feel like sometimes our like attitudes and behaviors are completely different. I feel like her behavior is kind of show that she actually was interested in photography to begin with like it kind of just like she it was natural it was just natural for her and I feel like that's with like a lot of us you know what I mean where we think that we're not really good at something or we're not actually interested in something but like we're doing it anyways
1: for sure I grew up wanting to be in film and I still love film so much but I was so focused on that and since I was a kid I've always done music related jobs and just life things and it wasn't until I was like 25 to 30 where I was like wait a minute maybe I should just focus on the music thing like why am I doing this when it's Mm. obvious that like this is my path like it's presented (laughs) to me and I'm not taking it yeah
2: well like a lot of people really discount their hobbies like they don't think that their hobbies can be something that could be life fulfilling or very true career yeah and they really could you know like you just have to put a lot of time into it and I think that a lot of us focus a lot on the money and it makes sense I mean we obviously need money to survive Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's like okay like as long as our needs are fulfilled as long as we can like house ourselves and feed ourselves and with that being said a lot of people can't but you know it's just we're good examples of that like I never
1: thought oh my groupie knowledge would ever come to this totally And, (laughs) and yeah like you're an amazing photographer and seeing like your progression in your work from like hobby to now, mm-hmm. you know, professional photographer is is amazing. Oh god,
2: that sounds like so professional. Like... <laughs> I was gonna say pretentious. <laughs> but it is it's, it's like true. I'm a professional photographer. You are though. no like some people come to me, they're like, Oh, you're a photographer, but are you a professional photographer? And I'm like, I don't know what that means. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it is very interesting. Okay, so like <laughs> back to San Francisco. Back to San Francisco. So she moved to San Francisco completely against her father's wishes. Like he did not want her to move to San Francisco. I'm not sure why, but she moved to the Bay Area close to her sister and rented an apartment with with some friends where she used uh, one of the closets of their bedroom. So she like lived in a closet space for a while. She was basically a Harry Potter.
1: Oh my God. I thought you meant like she made a dark room in the closet. No, (laughs) no. Like she lived,
2: (laughs) she lived in a closet like Harry Potter. Yeah.
1: Amazing.
2: Yeah. I'm not sure if it was under the stairs, but if it was you know annie if you're listening to this please please (laughs) let let us know know. (laughs) and so she started to feel community within the photography wing at her university so she actually started university like as a painter oh And it's funny because she kind of like jokes about how she wanted to be like an art teacher, but she didn't realize that she had to actually like become an artist to become an art teacher, which I totally appreciate. I also had that realization out of high school. I'm like, oh, I could just do this. (laughs) Gotta live a little, gotta produce
1: something. You actually
2: have to have a body of work. (laughs)
1: That's so fascinating though. Again, like painter to photographer. Mm -hmm. It does make sense.
2: It totally makes sense, especially for, like, her newer stuff. Yeah. They're very kind of, like... In my opinion, they look like classic paintings. They're very, like, you know, Michelangelo slash... I don't know, Rembrandt. For sure. No, for Uh, sure. I see it. Absolutely. mm -hmm. Especially for her closer kind of detailed portraits. I feel like they're very Rembrandt versus a lot of her newer stuff, I feel like is kind of delving into the Caravaggio, you know, like the broke painter. A lot of them are very like kind of environmental. There's a lot of detail. There's a story kind of going on Mm -hmm. Um, as as to maybe like not her earlier career, but her mid career. It was very focused on like, you know who the artist was and she wanted to kind of portray that in her photographs and I don't think a lot of portrait photographers were doing that at the time so for example Whoopi Goldberg where she she took a photo of Whoopi Goldberg in a milk bath and so I can picture it that was she's
1: like smiling and like
2: (laughs) having fun in that milk bath and Whoopi was like no it looked a lot better than it actually was because apparently milk uh, is pretty disgusting to bathe in. Like, oh, yeah. it, it sounds really nice to do, but it's actually disgusting. Like, you see the floaties and stuff, and it was just like, get me out of here, apparently. Yeah, it was cold. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. the photo turned out great. <laughs> it was worth it, for it sure. It was worth it. But that was representative of, I guess, Whoopi's, uh, one of Whoopi's stage performances of, you know, like, basically being this, like, black comedian in, like, a white world, yeah. and, like, you know, so... It's, it was, like, basically her first time that kind of she realized that, you know, she could portray her subjects yeah. as themselves or, like, bringing a piece of their life into the portrait.
1: I got you. Instead yeah. of just, like, a candid... You're thinking about it. There's a message there. There's a story
2: there. Exactly. Yeah. There's an actual story. It's conceptual mm-hmm. at that point. And mm-hmm. before that, it wasn't very conceptual. It was like, you know, they were portraits. You yeah. Know? And her first photo of John Lennon, for example, she was just like checking the meter on her camera. Oh,
1: no way. And then it,
2: it would just like turned out to be a great photo. And they actually put that on the the cover Rolling Stones. So nice. Pretty great.
1: So she's in San Francisco. She's living yes. in the cupboard or closet sorry (laughs) I'm like she's tiny
2: (laughs) she was living in a cupboard yeah (laughs) so she was going to school for painting (laughs) she wanted to become a painter and then she started hanging out with the people in the dark room all of these photographers and, uh, you know, she quoted the whole San Francisco vibe in, like, the 19, you know sixties as, like, love, love, love. And, like, everyone was trying to just, like, probably fucking each other. <laughs> I mean, For why sure. not? <laughs> like, we still do that. I feel like we've just gone back to the 60s. We love free love, people. We love it. So, yeah, while she was spending her time in university the whole you know riots and I mean I don't want to say riots but like protests Protests, I guess yeah Vietnam they were happening at the time and so she took like a fuckload of photos of these protests and then her boyfriend at the time was like hey Annie like let's go to Rolling Stones like we're gonna submit these photos and I think there was a point where she was like oh like you know like I don't really want to submit them but her boyfriend kind of pushed her and so she went to Rolling Stones and then she showed them her photos, and then she was walking outside one day, and then she found one of her photos of like a protest on the front cover.
1: Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah. And this is like sort of when Rolling Stone magazine was becoming a becoming, thing. Yeah, yeah,
2: becoming a thing. So she was like part of it basically. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, th- it wasn't mainstream at the time. Like no. no one I mean, no one really knew what like they knew what Rolling Stones was, but it wasn't like it, it is today. Yeah. Like it's, you know. It was at the, its beginnings. Mhm. The beginnings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's how she she started and then from there she started touring with the Rolling Stones oh which was party city it was a party city yeah Yeah. so it was known for photographers to be going on the road with them like it was known for them to contribute in the drug use you gotta partake if you have to partake yeah (laughs) it was a wild time like you said like
1: sex love drugs Um, I, i can only imagine like keith richards at that time and like yeah how do you not
2: well Keith Richards really liked her actually because she was such a fly on the wall like she like they didn't even realize that she was there taking photos really
1: I remember one specific Keith Richards photo that I'm pretty sure Annie took of him kind of like passed out on a chair like this like Mm -hmm. I had that on my wall as a teenager yeah like iconic moment and very like Keith
2: (laughs) Very <laughs> Keith. In that time. <laughs> in that time. Very Keith. He um, has a quote saying, she was one of the first female photographers that I remember. This is interesting. See how long she lasts. But she hung in. She felt very unobtrusive, and you never thought anything about her taking pictures. So again, like, she was like a fly on the wall. She was like very unobtrusive. She didn't really want to go in there to fit in. I mean, she did drugs, I guess, when they offered it to her. Yeah. But it wasn't like she knew that this wasn't really her life.
1: That's so interesting to, like, see how long she lasts, like, as a woman in this Mm -hmm. industry. Well,
2: I think a lot of the women who were obviously touring with the Rolling Stones, I think, you know, they obviously had sex with the Rolling Stones. And then they were kind of, like, out. (laughs) Like, you know, like, they had their time. Versus Annie... I mean, whether she had she slept with some of them or not, it isn't. It's no one knows, I guess, other mm-hmm. than you know her and the posse. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel like Annie also has like this very masculine presence about her. Like she has this like kind of, you know, this like hair to her that like I think a lot of men would at she that has time. A strong energy. She's a very strong energy. So I think a lot of men at the time would kind of like associate her with them. Like yeah. I think it was like a very natural for her to be on a road with them. Versus, I hear you. Yeah. yeah.
1: There's like an automatic respect there because mm-hmm. like she's on their level. Yeah. And yeah. it isn't a sexual thing. It's it is. it's like yeah. a it's like a like a a professional it's a professional thing.
2: And there's obviously problems with that because Oh like, for sure. You know, for sure. Like, but uh you know, she did it and I think she was like really a woman of her time. You know what I mean? It's like not a lot of women were treated the way that she was treated it's as interesting an equal.
1: too because the only other photographer i can think of at that time that's a woman that was in that scene is linda mccartney mm. and she's a very very different energy than mm. annie she is more like sweet and loving mm-hmm. and that's like an interesting dynamic there too like and their sh- their photographs are so different yeah they both capture a different side of these musicians mm-hmm. and it's really cool. It's really cool that they each kind of had their own vision.
2: Mhm. Yeah. yeah, Hillary Clinton is quoted. I mean, I don't know the exact quote, but she basically just says that Annie Leibovitz really kind of personifies these people as people, not necessarily like celebrities. Mm-hmm. So she kind of like grounds them into like they're human. Yeah. And I think especially now that is so important.
1: I, that's why I really love her photos in Rolling Stone and everything, too, because, like, they do feel like candidates, like you said, mm-hmm. like a fly on the wall. She's capturing these moments.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You're just seeing someone in their element. And you can tell that they're so comfortable with her because mm-hmm. they aren't posing. They aren't putting something on. They're not mm-hmm. noticing her. So mm-hmm. they are really phenomenal.
2: And I think that's the number one obstacle with being a photographer is, like, getting the subject to be comfortable with you. And I don't know if it's like easier to not know the subject before coming into the situation because sometimes when you have, a, when it's your friend, yeah. I feel like they have like these expectations and it's kind of like, you know, they don't want to look bad in front of you. And so it's like creating that comfort level and that vibe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could have been the drugs. <laughs> I'm sure the drugs help. <laughs> but I do also believe it's Annie. Like, like Annie has a power that uh, most people do not have.
1: You know, for sure, she's going to capture an iconic And moment. you're going to look
2: good. Yeah. Like she's not one of these photographers where like you're a mid sentence. Yeah. And no judgment, no judgment at all for photographers who do that. Like, I think that's a whole different vibe. And I love that. But I think that. Yeah. Yeah she's gonna make you look good mm-hmm. you know <laughs> or she, at least she's gonna try she doesn't work miracles folks but <laughs> but <laughs> she'll find the moment she, she'll, and find she'll the take moment. the photo and that was a lot of work for her at the at the beginning she even says herself that it was like really hard for her to make people look good in photos you know and then again like kind of going back to what I said before it was kind of you know, like bringing something that they do already into the photo and kind of like making it their own. I think for her, she found that that was like a comfort thing to make people comfortable. And I think maybe like, you know, the Rolling Stones, like that was what they were comfortable doing. Yeah. I did not know that she
1: toured with bands. I assume she probably toured with other bands. It was the
2: beginning of a career. That's for sure. With the Rolling Stones. And then, you know, a drug addiction kind of went over. Um. I don't... Nothing that I really, like, read or watched, they really talked about what drugs that she did. But I do know that she she really liked cocaine.
1: Didn't they all? Yes. <laughs>
2: they loved... She loved the cocaine. Um, it's a hell the of a reason, drug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think the reason why she loves cocaine, and I, I'm sure so many people do love cocaine, it's because, like, it just... It makes you think that you're talking a lot, but really you're all just talking bullshit. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah.
1: Endless energy. mm You feel like you're on top of the world.
2: Yeah. It seems like there's a lot of substance at the time, (laughs) but really, it's just a lot of substance at the time.
1: (laughs) I'm sure everyone at Rolling Stone magazine, they probably had like
2: cupboards full. (laughs) (laughs) Just book bags. (laughs) like. Yeah, and that's when they didn't really check your bags back then. So, oh, yeah. could you imagine?
1: In Keith Richards' book, wow. he talks about accidentally bringing movie. a gun in, in his back, in his suitcase at the airport and no one noticed it. Like wow. he didn't mean to. He wasn't it was just like Right, it was just a thing. And then he realized
2: after like, oh yeah. shit. I got caught with a lighter once. They yeah. <laughs> it wasn't you my bad bag. boy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> try to smuggle lighters folks on it on on the airplane it was like (laughs) yeah so they obviously called us over to security They're like um why are you bringing a lighter on the airplane and we're like oh my god like obviously we didn't mean this like you know like (laughs) times have changed times have changed
0: are you ready to shop Rakuten's big give week is back Shopify.com slash realm.
2: So she was obviously based in San Francisco, doing the whole Rolling Stones thing, traveling with the band, and obviously everyone noticed that she had a problem. So she went to rehab. She did rehab, and she was fine. Like, she was just one of those people who, like, broke through it. One and done? Yeah, good and done. And I, I think it's with a lot of people who have addictions. Like, some people have the addiction because it's, like, their life versus some other people, they have the addiction because it's, you know, the people who they're hanging out with or it's, like, you know, like, they're not really holding on to the addiction. Like, they can easily make the change, but mm-hmm. it's just... it's You have fun. You're doing
1: change. drugs. You enjoy it mm-hmm. as opposed to, like, you're using the drugs to mask something. Mask something, yeah, life.
2: like some emotional trauma, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah.
2: And I don't think that she... I mean, I don't know if she experienced trauma in her life. I, I you know, um, that is on her to know and um nobody else to know until she she says something anything but you know i don't think that she had to mask that trauma but whatever she experienced and that's probably you know it was it was good for her it was like swift and it was said and done and then she moved to new york she was only expecting to live in new york for a year but then she moved to vanity fair which she she was kind of like against in a way Yeah. She really wasn't fashion. She was like rock and roll. She was like documentarian, you know? Very much. She liked to take photos of what was going on, not necessarily like these beautiful fashion portraits of like these celebrities. Completely
1: different. Yeah, really.
2: And so instead of rolling with the punches for that now she was introduced to a whole fucking team of like makeup artists and like wardrobe artists and like she was such a fly on the wall that she really didn't know how to deal with people and so i think she i don't know if she still has this reputation now but she started forming this reputation of like being a bitch And like
1: every time a woman, right.
2: (laughs) It's somehow every time a woman is like good at something. Yeah. Like like, if a man does it, it's, you know, he's just really good at his job. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But as soon as a woman does it, oh, wow. She's just a flying bitch. Like, yeah. And you know what? I personally, I like to work with bitches because I learn things. Yes, (laughs) exactly. I need someone to tell me to do stuff. That's the,
1: what's that quote? Bitches get shit done. Mm.
2: Bitches get shit done, Lynx. I would love to work with Annie. (laughs) Annie, if you're hearing this, you know, I will do it for free. (laughs) I will wipe your feet. You are my goddess. Hail Jesus. like, so, you know, she was big on the whole like Abaddon scenes. Abaddon really represented New York to her. So, when she thought of New York photographer, she thought of Abaddon. And he was almost the reigning photographer of the time in New York. And she really looked up to his work during his reigning era in New York. And uh, it makes sense why. I mean, he's an amazing photographer. That one photo of Natasia Kinsky with a snake. I mean, hello, classic. So I mean, good. so beautiful. I, you know, I watched a little documentary about him, you know, doing some research about photographers, different photographers, different techniques, etc. And um, that photo was kind of not a fluke, but he hit his finger on the trigger button and the snake's tongue just like came out oh instantly.
1: So many like happy accidents like yeah. that.
2: And that's it. what I love about photography, though, is because they're always like the best photos are Always happy accidents. Yeah. Like it's so rare to have like the best photo as the photo that we were really I mean, you were planning yep. for it. But you know, it's really the moments before that are always the best. In my opinion. Yeah. Sometimes a client thinks different you know, thinks differently, but for me it's like damn, like it's just the seconds while For example you know working on your lighting you know like those moments and I'm like taking photos like trying to figure out the lighting Mm -hmm. turns out they're the best photos and those are the ones that I'll post on my Instagram (laughs) amazing yeah and so she you know she got to work with Vanity Fair and she started working with uh Beatrice I forgive me if I say pronounce her name wrong but Feitler Feitler I don't know F-E-I-T-L-E-R yeah yeah (laughs) Feitler? Feitler sounds Feitler. right. Sounds right. <laughs> Beatrice Feitler. <laughs> and she was the art director of the time for Harper's Bazaar. And then uh, obviously when Vanity Fair was doing their revamp, basically when Annie Lebowitz stepped in, um, she, they worked together. And um, it was really uh, B. Feitler who kind of made Annie really hone in on her work. So looking at the photos that she was taking and figuring out which ones were good.
1: Like, was she like a mentor or maybe like a, a partner? She was
2: like, I guess she was a mentor in a way. I mean, obviously a partner too because she was a creative director. Yeah, and so she obviously worked really closely with uh, with Annie because you know again B is very uh, nitty gritty and she yeah. really wants specific. Kind of took her things. to the next level. Yeah, and so it was at that moment where Annie was like, okay, like this is what makes the photo better. Or, like, you know, this is the one out of, like, this whole, call, like, 300 photos. This is why this one stands out. So it really, like, it, it really introduced her to, like, really selecting the photo. And, again, I think this really kind of drove home making concepts of photos too like it was kind of like okay you has like a specific photo and like you're not
1: getting a candid you're purposely trying to sort of get a shot
2: that's right because before it was very candid she didn't really know (laughs) yeah what was going on Uh, and lucky her she was kind of like in that kind of like realm when everything working up you know so lucky like such she she's lucky in the sense of like oprah lucky so oprah has this definition of luck where it's kind of like oh yeah you're in the right time in the right place but you also you know have the skill level of doing it Mm -hmm. you know so it's basically just like skill and the time and place and when those three things come together like that's when magic happens yes and so she was lucky in that sense gotcha so she was constantly investigating what other photographers were doing and started forming conceptual photo shoots. And then so she had this really bad photo shoot with Bruce Springsteen, James Taylor, uh, Bonnie Raitt, Jackson Brown, and Carly Simon.
0: Okay.
2: And it was like literally just a really shitty photo. And B. Feitler was like, no. <laughs> like, what the fuck, Annie? What were you thinking? This is a terrible photo. Like, we don't even know if we should, like, run it.
1: Interesting. So she just, like, didn't know what to do with all of them. To, she like... just didn't
2: know what to do. Like, it was just, like, a really shitty photo. Okay. And, like, when you see it, it's, like, yeah, it's, like, a very basic shitty photo. It looks like like an event photo. Like, you, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no love into it, basically. And it was basically a learning experience for her that pushed her to become more creative in her shoots. So one of her most famous conceptual shoots are of Bette Midler in a bed of roses, which um, that is so iconic, that photo. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure American Beauty stole that whole idea yeah. of, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I love that movie. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Bette was like, no, like, I'm going to be scratched to shit. Yeah. Um, the but thorns. Then- Annie and her team cut every single thorn off those roses, so she would be comfortable. What an angel! Isn't it amazing? <laughs> like, I, I don't have the patience. Bet you'd be—you <laughs> bleed for me. Yeah, you bleed for me, woman. No, I love that. Oh, I love her so much. That's a whole She's another story. <laughs> so it wasn't until an assignment from time magazine about poets that really brought it home for Annie, where she really understood what she wanted in her photographs. And she has a quote that says to understand that I could incorporate the poetry, something about the person into the photograph. So this was, this was really the moment where she was like, you know, I have to incorporate something in to the photograph that really makes it, you know, that's Annie. You know, yeah. I don't think a lot of people were doing that at the time. And I think that that was really what kind of created her, her whole vibe, you yeah. know, and now everyone's kind of copying it, including myself. Like, I obviously look up to her, of course, um, <laughs> a lot. Obviously, not copying her, but you know, incorporating a lot of like you know what she's done over the years into like, my own work and you know, like working on my own thing, yeah, um, but and
1: taking that advice and like, yeah, knowing your subject Mm -hmm. and trying to make sure that they come out in it Mm
2: -hmm. and what's very interesting actually and maybe it's just like the from from looking at all of her photos like historically but I didn't know that that was basically what she was doing Mm -hmm. Um, but it makes sense because that's what I wanted to do and maybe it's because I was like looking at her photographs or like just you know that's what I want to do I want to incorporate what people love into their photographs like I want to incorporate a humanity into the photograph for sure and that's what she's been doing this whole time Mm -hmm. and so I just I don't know I click with her so well so you know that quote really was kind of like oh my god like that's exactly what i want to do in my photographs and um you know she's just so ahead of her time for sure and she was already doing
1: that with the candidates. like she Mm -hmm. she was like seeing her subject but it's just like a level up like Mm -hmm. taking that and now she's conscious of it yes before
2: she was like so unconscious of it yes
1: and like you can make a statement with each photo now Mm -hmm. not just capture great moments like you can Think about it Mm -hmm. That's
2: amazing Which I guess I don't know In in, I don't know Contemporary culture I guess that you would Consider that as an artist Right For sure Absolutely She was like Quite simply Just like a fly on the wall Photographer Taking photos For Rolling Stones Yeah Where some people Would maybe question If that's art But now it's kind of Like art Like she's really Bringing art To photography Mm -hmm. And you know There's a whole debate On if photography Is an art to begin with Obviously I think it is. It's not necessarily the medium that you're that you're using, it's the whole like idea, you know, the medium is a message, I suppose. For sure. I still don't really understand what that quote means. But like <laughs> it works. It works. <laughs> I'm not smart enough. <laughs> and yeah, so many of her concepts were quite simple. So, for example, you know, the Fleetwood, the really famous Fleetwood the Mac. The bed one? The bed one. Yeah. And so the whole rumor, obviously, was they were fucking each other, you know. I mean, they, they were. They were. No. So, uh, maybe not a rumor. I mean, although they do have that, that album, album. Rumor. So, maybe they just created their own rumor. Like, who knows? Like, were they fucking each other? They were definitely they were. They definitely were. <laughs> you can but, feel the tension, you really could. But they were also creating their own rumors, which I do time to time. I like to yeah. spark my own rumors. Um, <laughs> it keeps things interesting. <laughs> and then, you know, the Patty Smith photos where she took, she's taken so many photos of Patty Smith, but a particular photo that she took of Patty Smith was there were actual like, like, there was actually fire behind her.
1: I love that photo so much. Oh, it's
2: so good. It's interesting the story leading up to that is that actually like Patti Smith was like catching on fire, like, oh no way, yeah is that like, close she, to was, she was like really fucking hot <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> she was like literally singed wow. from that photo shoot, yeah it so, was worth it. It was worth it, folks. Patty Smith is legend, yeah, legend
1: i I love that for Bette Midler. It's like, oh, we can't let one thorn. <laughs> get her but for patty smith it's like let her, yeah, catch, yeah, fire. Let her catch
2: fire because she's such a bad bitch so you know that it's gonna work you oh know? for sure I mean, for sure cool with <laughs> like, could you imagine patty smith and bett miller in like the same room though like what a vibe <sighs>
1: A- that's like a great dinner party mm,
2: like one of those like who would you bring yeah. to a dinner party Bette Midler and Patty Sp-
1: and Any Lebowitz
2: to take the photos so right like- oh my god obviously <laughs> <laughs> I would say me but no <laughs> I want to be in these photos yeah. okay and so obviously, you know, what we talked about Bette Miller's rose where like she cut off like every thorn. Could you imagine? I just love that. That's just yeah. I mean, she had a team behind her, but you know, like she was doing the work too. You yeah. know, it's not like she's just telling people to do these things. You know, she moves the chairs. She moves the table. And like the, the
1: detail that she put in.
2: Like that's yes, just everything. Yeah. I just, oh, I love it so. She has taken so many photos of John Lennon. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's one in particular. Anyone know it? Anyone know it?
1: That amazing shot of John, naked, curled up with Yoko. Iconic. Absolutely iconic.
2: Yoko Ono has a little quote, which I love. It was the height of intimacy for both of us around that time. You can tell. It's like the most beautiful shot. It's just shot. so beautiful. Yeah. And they're so comfortable. So it was it was actually Annie's whole idea of this whole, like, nudity thing. And she asked Yoko if she was comfortable. With being nude to which she said no. Um, and she's like, all right, let's just roll with it, put all of the clothes on, you know what I mean? Like, And so I really like the whole, you know, again, I guess it's kind of, you know, Annie kind of rolls with the punches and then these amazing, beautiful things happen. Yeah, And I think that's so important with photography because if you ha- if you go in wanting a photo, You have to roll with the punches because not everything is going to be 100%. And if you don't roll with the punches, then great things aren't going to happen. Yeah. Because people aren't going to be comfortable. Yeah. You know, it's so important to make everyone comfortable. And that's like the hairstylist, the wardrobe artist. Everyone has to be comfortable because if one person's having a bad day. It affects everything. It's going to affect everything. Yeah. Yeah, It's so important to have a good team. Absolutely. Yeah. And with them, I'm not, I'm not sure if they actually had a team. I think it was probably just Annie and them. I, I
1: bet. I'm sure it's just Annie and John mm-hmm. and Yoko. and Maybe some, like, lighting. I don't know.
2: Yeah. And so she basically just directed them to do this. Yeah. And, and Lennon could have easily said no, but he was totally okay with showing his vulnerability at that time. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately... Dire things happen five hours later. Five hours later. That's Link's, like the last shot of him. Like insane. That's that is crazy. insanity to me. Yeah.
1: That must be, as Yoko, probably her most important favorite photograph mm-hmm. ever because, again, like you can see their love and uh-huh. like the vulnerability. And it's just, it's such an incredible shot. It's such an incredible photograph. And five hours Mm -hmm. my god
2: yeah and that photo Really didn't need any captions. No. So when they when they printed it, there was like no nothing. It was just the Rolling Stones on the cover. On the cover, yeah. yeah. It was just like the Rolling Stones, you know, header, and then that was it. Like that was, yeah. What what can you say? There, yeah. You don't have to say anything. The picture like that does. was, it, yeah. Uh, like a thousand. What is that? Like a, a picture. A picture speaks a thousand words. I should yeah. know this, folks, but um, <laughs> but yeah. So her, when, you know, when she transitioned to Vanity Fair she was asked to work for Vanity Fair. It's not like she just went there. She was asked, right? Mm-hmm. And so they knew that it was going to be this big thing, you know, like they knew her work previously. It was very documentary. It wasn't fashion. It wasn't high budget kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. then now, you know, this very fly on the wall kind of, I don't know if I want to say introverted person, but, you know, I feel like some of her traits are very, like, introverted, where, you know, she probably thought, especially at the time, that she works better on her own. Yeah. But a lot of people think that she's kind of hard to to work with, but at the same time, like, obviously not, because, like, these images are just so beautiful especially like lately i don't know what's going on annie but oh my god like they're just so beautiful
1: also it's a if it's, it's a different experience mm-hmm. she was used to being that fly on the wall mm-hmm. working alone it takes time to adjust to find her place i'm yeah. sure in all of that too it's like absolutely i don't think she was a bitch or whatever no like i think she was she was just directing things. her place and yes everything. exactly and like f- figuring out how to work with people mm-hmm. and like how you all come together and mm-hmm.
2: and I think that you need that to be like the photographer, oh, right? Yeah. Like you have to put your foot down You have on, to have like, authority. You-, you need authority. Yeah. Because if you don't have authority, then you're just gonna be like, Oh, like you're just like the hired photographer. Yep. you're not Annie. You're the hired photographer. And you're hired to know what you want and to get that shot. Exactly. And so I think I really urge all photographers to really put their foot down when it comes because really when your final image is out there, it's out there. Yeah. And everyone's gonna be looking at it. And there's no excuse for anyone else except for yourself. And so Annie has this quote that where basically, like, you know, she doesn't blame anyone else except herself it's a bad photo mm-hmm. and 110 percent. if I have a bad photo of someone honestly I mean it hasn't happened in the sense of like I have to do like another another photo but I will totally give you <laughs> if I don't think of photos good yeah like I'm gonna have to do that again for free because I just cannot I cannot bring something out into the world where I'm not like 100% old. for sure I feel like that's why you know I look up to Annie so much is because her philosophy about photography I really kind of hone into that for sure yeah okay so yeah with da- with Vanity Fair she has this very famous photo with Demi Moore I'm not sure if you've oh you've seen it links <laughs> the pregnancy yeah, one pregnancy photo yeah And I mean, I don't know what maternity photographers were doing at the time, but that photo, I mean, I feel like every maternity photographer is basically just copying that photo now. Absolutely. I've seen that
1: photo a million times. Oh, a million million, million times. Yeah. 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 Even on other covers of magazines Mm -hmm. and other actresses. Like, no
2: one would have done that. And it was like, it was such a big thing back then. Now we don't even bat an eyelash because we've seen it before, but like, she was the first one to really do that. Oh, yeah. Like a nude. Oh, and I bet a lot of people shot.
1: had a lot of things to say about. Oh, that.
2: oh my God! For the better or for the worse, you know. Yeah. Like on one hand, it was like, oh my God, this like because maternity is really beautiful. Like, of it, course. oh my God, like that is a one in a lifetime chance. Absolutely. Ugh, so oh, I think maternity are so beautiful. Yeah. But on the other side, there are like you know a lot of people who are very uptight. Uptight. <laughs> like, oh my God! Like a naked woman who at her with most- a belly with
1: a belly. <laughs> I only want my women naked with no
2: bellies. God forbid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's so like the beautiful. most natural
1: thing in life. Like mm. literally every person who's right. alive right now, this is where, where they started. Started, yeah. But yeah, people...
2: I think it's honestly one of my most favorite shots of Annie's. And I loved Demi more, especially at that time. Yeah. And she was very vocal too. I mean, I think it kind of like teetered off but she was kind of like a vocal celebrity yeah and again
1: like yeah for sure doing that shot was a feminist
2: oh absolutely yeah Yeah. and I mean I haven't really touched on this and maybe we can touch on that a little bit later but she was dating that you know a feminist maybe not at the time I'm I'm pretty sure she was at the time but she was dating someone and you know they had a lot of troubles and we'll definitely speak on that but okay we'll get to that in a moment so Annie has this really famous quote where it really speaks to like the detriment of her celebrity, where she was really starting to get known. Like everyone wanted to get a photo of her and everyone was like, oh my God, it's just an amazing photograph just because she took it. Gotcha. Whereas it really wasn't that great of a photo. And the one thing I really like about Annie is that she's, she doesn't really fake it as an artist. You know, there are so many different artists out there who are like, you know, an honest mistake happens and it turns out to be like this beautiful, amazing image Yeah, where some photographers are like, oh, I purposely did this and I purposely did that where it's like, okay, you're clearly bullshitting. Gotcha. (laughs) You know what I mean? Versus Annie where it's like, no, it was like literally I just did this. Like it was a happy accident. It happened, right? And so she has this quote of saying, it's been the bane of my existence. Someone being so famous and totally relying on that versus trying to get, you know, just take a good photograph. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right? And so she... All her purpose is is to take a good photograph. She doesn't really care about the celebrity. Who gives a fuck if you... You know what I mean? Like, if you know who I am, I just want to take a good photo of you. Yeah. And I think that's, like, so humble almost of her where it's, like, fuck the celebrity. Yeah. I just want to be a photograph. Yeah. I just want to take a good photograph. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, whatever you're hiring me for, I'm going to take a good photograph of you. And that's all she wants. Yeah. And there are so many people who she said that she still needs to take a good photograph of them because she's she's photographed them. But for her, they're not the she best photograph. She just knows. Yeah. Right? And it's probably just
1: because It's a she's... good photograph, but it's not, like, meaningful or right. not in a way that she wanted to mm-hmm. get something out.
2: Right. And I think, I feel like for the people who she's talked about this, how she, she said she can't get, like, the best photo of them. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the times it's because she has a deeper connection with them.
1: Interesting. Right?
2: So it's kind of like she just hasn't really fulfilled them as a person in a photograph.
1: It's interesting, too, because in the late 90s and 2000s with Vanity Fair, I feel like she's really famous for those fold-out cover issues. Mm -hmm. Centifold. Yes. And they're always beautiful and amazing, but they are very different from her other work. Mm -hmm. And it is like
2: commercialized. It's super commercialized. And
1: I can understand why it's harder to get that perfect shot, that shot that you want Mm -hmm. when like you're thinking about advertising and things like that and money and like you're trying to sell something, Mm -hmm. right? You're trying to sell the magazine. So Mm -hmm. it's a different type of shoot, Mm-hmm. Very, very different from the Rolling Stone stuff. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, for sure. And and she she kind of talks about that too. Like her favorite images are not in Vanity Fair. You know what I mean? Like maybe in the covers of, uh, or in the in the pages of Vanity Fair. Certainly not the cover. Yeah. Um, she doesn't like in studio work. She hates that. Yeah. But she, you know, she talks about like you know her most favorite photos of like are photos of her mom and her family and you yeah. know her her partner at the time, Susan Sontag, who was a feminist, human rights, you know... A she, writer. A writer. She, was, she was, like, the intellect of the time. Yep. And that, you know, comes with a lot of goods and it comes with a lot of bads. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, the goods are... Susan really kind of pushed her to conceptualize these images in a way of, like, just sometimes political like politicizing her images which is a really great and amazing thing i think the downside of that is that susan was oftentimes should i say a bully she was very verbally abusive to annie she would yeah so like you know they would be hanging out with friends and, and and susan would would kind of discredit annie's intelligence
1: i get you you're not the intellectual like we are like right You're 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 the dumb one. You're doing this. Yeah, yeah. And she
2: would, like, literally use words like dumb, stupid. Yeah, so she was very, like, emotionally abusive to Annie. And just Annie was just so in love with her. She was in love with her as a person, her intellect. You know, and Annie, I think, really, Annie kind of believed that she wasn't as, like, superior or all-encompassing and intellectual. Yeah versus you know the same people in the room would be like you know annie you're the best photographer ever Mm -hmm. and in the same vein susan would be like you know annie you you know you're the best photographer but it's like okay if it being a photographer isn't at the same standard as like an intellectual i got you so i think that was like a huge issue when it comes to their relationship and i know that susan her son doesn't like annie like there's like a lot of kind of like relationship issues there and and as much as Susan was like this, you know, gung ho, upfront humanitarian who was like very pro feminine rights and pro gay rights, you know, yeah. back then they would call her a pornographer. Yeah. But now, today's standards, she was literally just talking about gay rights, yeah. you know? Yep, But it was also very interesting because she didn't really come out. She never told her mother that she was seeing Annie.
1: I remember it was pretty recently where I found out that they were Uh a couple and I never knew before. And it was like, Mm -hmm. it makes sense to me, which is also interesting because it's like, oh you're not an intellectual but like yeah they were they are on each other's level for Mm. sure
2: just in different ways you know and I I don't you know I think a lot of people I mean maybe this is just like going off topic but I think a lot of people think of intelligence as like literally just academic or reading books yeah and I think that's total bullshit I think intellectual or intellectualism like you can find it in so many different facets of different Absolutely, absolutely. You can be a creative intellectual, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that Annie is a creative intellectual. You know, she sees people as people. She can pick something out from someone that they might not even see in themselves and present it in a photo. She might not be
1: able to, like, quote an obscure author. Mm -hmm. But absolutely, she's an intellectual. She sees things that other people don't see. Mm -hmm. She her brain works in a way that other people's doesn't, just like Susan.
2: Right, exactly. And and then I, you know, of course, I go through the rab- rabbit hole, and I, you know, I start watching documentaries about Su- Susan, and so I think psychologically not, you know, making an excuse for, like, all of the verbal abuse or the abuse that she gave to Annie, yeah. but I think that she just had a lot of kind of childhood trauma that she was also kind of dealing with, yep. and that – um in the sense of, like, when she realized that people started loving her and were getting too close to her, she would kind of attack. It would yeah. be, like, you know, and it's it's kind of, like, self-sabotage in oh, a way. Oh, for sure. You know? For sure. It was just Annie was relentless with the love. Like, Annie was just, like, in love with her, you know? And until I'm the sure, moment she uh, died. like,
1: in her heart, probably she was, like, trying to build Annie up. Like, you can, you're already mm-hmm. doing great. Push it more this mm-hmm. way. But, like doing it in not the not the best way way. yeah yeah
2: yeah Yeah. like it's not really what you say it's how you say it and I I think that maybe Susan was kind of
1: how long were they together do you know like oh my uh,
2: gosh I think they were together for like 20 or 30 years like a long time quite a while Mm -hmm. like a long long time yeah yeah but then again I I I really don't know um, dates or anything but yeah yeah, yeah
1: more than a decade
2: yeah for yeah for a long yeah for more than a decade for sure I would say like 20 years I think like I should probably know this but like, yeah. <laughs>
1: like, I mean no one knew it
2: yeah yeah no one knew it that's the true like it's it really only came up in like recent years like you said where it's like you know it was actually out out and I think that's also to the credit I mean I know that you know Susan Sontag's like son didn't really like Annie but he also wrote books about his mother and he incorporated Annie and. Although he didn't necessarily like Annie, he also realized that his mom was abusive. And, and recognized that mom, Annie is a huge part of her life. Right. That's right. And he told his mom, he's like, mom, like you can't just keep calling her stupid. Like whether you like either you think she's stupid and useless as a partner or... Or you should break up with her. You know what I mean? Like, yes. what's the point of yeah, going yeah. on with this relationship? And I think that that's what the relationship was. It was just kind of like an abusive relationship. Kind of codependent in a way. Yeah, for sure. You know? Um, and who wants to be in that relationship? But It's when hard you're to in get it, out of it. It's hard to get out of. And it's so easy for people to criticize and say that they could never be in that relationship. But really, like, it's oh, it very... Happens. It happens. When, and when you you're in someone? It, yeah. When you're in it, you're in it. And you might not even realize that you're in it until it's too late. So... Absolutely. So one interesting note that Susan and her kind of disagreed with was that Susan believed that taking photographs interfered with the actual experience. So she thought photography changed everything. That's interesting. Which I would agree with in like the beginning stages. Okay, everyone recognizes that there's a photograph there. So like, for example, a wedding, you know, when, when the guests aren't really used to being photographed, they're going to act a certain way or they're going to be a little awkward or shy Mm -hmm. or what have you. But when you are with a group for a long period of time and they're just used to you having your camera, Mm -hmm. is that really interfering with the experience or is it actually maybe even enhancing the experience? For sure. Yeah. Um,
1: It can go both ways.
2: It can absolutely go both ways. So I don't necessarily think that it interferes I think maybe most experiences it might interfere, but I, but when people aren't paying attention to the camera and That's they're just what, doing what their thing. That's what makes a good photographer, like the right? fly on the wall thing. Exactly, right? Yeah. That's what makes a good documentarian. Absolutely. Because you're taking photos of someone doing something when they don't even realize that you're taking a photo or even if you have a camera, you know? Yeah. So Anne thought it was very easy to photograph her because she knew herself so well, but at the same time, she never really thought that she took like the best Photograph of her, and I think that really also brings again what I said, where Anne never really thought that she took the best photographs of people that she loved. Too close, too close. Right? She was just too close to them, and so I think for her, she could never encapsulate who they were as a person because she knew too much of them. Like humans are so diverse, and Mm. so you can't really take a photo of someone as like an all-encompassing photo. Yeah. Right, and so. And she also said this about celebrities that she took photos of, right? Like as much as she probably wanted to t- to do that, she, it, you know, you can't do that. <laughs> so good luck to any photographer. I, I urge you to <laughs> to somehow get a photo uh, of an on, all-encompassing photo of someone. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> the races, the races start. It's like the Holy Grail mm-hmm. of a photo. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you can't. No. You really can't. And so she was an incredible, important person in Annie's life, and Susan could put into words where Annie couldn't. Yeah,
1: that's good. Annie captured moments; Susan had the words. Susan,
2: yeah, and I think that when Susan said, "Oh, you, you know, the foot, like the a photograph or taking photos can change," you know, the can interfere with life yeah you know i think that's also again kind of discrediting annie because it's kind of like you know you can only really work with words and i don't really agree with that i think no, that i don't agree either yeah like you know like i think that sometimes words can't you can't put together words to formulate that was susan's a, creative a, outlet right right and everyone has a creative outlet yeah. you know so it is just what it is you know it was just kind of an abusive relationship. <laughs> And so she came into the relationship thinking that she wanted to be around the amazing intellectual person. And Susan loved Annie's work. And she always pushed her to be more serious as a photographer. But at the same time, it was kind of, you know, I feel like Annie loved that about her. So a lot of people around Annie was like, you know, like, Susan's really, like, discrediting you. But with Annie, it was, like, positive criticism, you know? So I guess it's, like, the perception of the abuse, right? Like, how do you perceive... Someone telling you that you're stupid and that you, you know, your work sucks, you know, are you gonna perceive that as an, a good thing? You know, as like an optimistic kind of, you know, yeah, I should be trying better. Or are you gonna perceive that as like, oh my God, my, my, my life work sucks?
1: Personal relationships are the mm-hmm. most complicated thing. Mm-hmm. For one person, something can feel abusive. And for another person, maybe not. Maybe that supportive or maybe just encouraging or mm-hmm. like you it depends on the person Mm
2: -hmm.
1: no one can judge a personal relationship you
2: really can't like all you see and it's either the good things or the or the bad things. you never see
1: the most intimate beautiful Mm -hmm. moments Mm -hmm. those are between two people right right
2: yeah and annie annie says like you know we had the most beautiful moments more like that outweigh the the bad moments you know and i think that's like with every relationship yeah and you can kind of say that in like every relationship too where like where you know you see a relationship like oh my god they're so amazing blah blah blah, when really like at home you really don't know what's happening for sure when no one's around and very similarly you know like the relationships were like oh my god that's bound to end you know when really like i bet they have like amazing moments by themselves you know people change when it's you know when when people say three's a crowd you know three is a crowd and when you add like three more people to that or like you know a, a house party <laughs> it changes people's everything everything it changes people's behaviors yeah. what they believe what they think Blah, blah, blah. You know, it just changes people. Mm -hmm. And so unfortunately, you know, Susan at at a point, she she got a bone marrow transplant, which failed. And it was the first time that she thought that she could take some pictures. And Susan was her muse for so many years. And it really broke her after Susan's passing. Like when Susan died, it like really kind of set her off into a depression. I bet. I mean, yeah, like the love of your life, right? Like she's gone. So, I mean, it doesn't really matter what other people thought. You know, Annie loved her. Yeah. And, like, that's the most important thing. Yeah, um, that was her anyone. partner. Her... That was her partner. That was, like, her her rock, really. Yeah. You know, it's a sad thing when someone passes. Annie took some shots of Susan in the hospital? In the hospital while she was dying. And a lot of people really kind of, like, judged her for that. It was like, you know, these are, like, their dying her dying moments. And I'm like, that was the relationship they had, number one. And like, number two, why do we have to think of these moments these like dying moments of like these like sad or like we are
1: we're all gonna die
2: we're all gonna die and it's a part of it's a stage of life that we're all gonna go through yep and i don't think it's disrespectful when you know you really have to look at the context okay yeah am i taking a photo of someone who's dying and like laughing about it later okay or without permission disres- or it's like okay obviously that would be disrespectful but like when you take a photo and the context is like, okay, you know, like I loved and cherished this person yes. for their whole life and I want to see them. In this you know, most intimate and,
1: moment, it, Right. I want to be there with them. I want to capture it. I want to. Absolutely. I totally get Why it. Why not? You Yeah, know? I get it. And again, yeah, like as a photographer, you also see moments that a lot of people don't pick mm-hmm. up on. You know, you're seeing beauty mm-hmm. in everything where some people... Just shut that out, Mm -hmm. or don't have that ability. You
2: know, Annie has a quote that says, "In the wake of loss, it felt comforting to take pictures." So beautiful. You know, again, it's kind of like a coping mechanism to have a camera to take photos of these moments that can last forever.
1: So, as far as I know, after Vanity Fair, she started working with Vogue, and that was also a very
2: different. Or was it Vogue? It was. She she works with Vogue <laughs> I,
1: okay I, I should say after Vanity Fair learning about that led her into fashion
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is
1: again something so far off from where she so started
2: so far off and she doesn't really even consider herself as a fashion photographer I mean she considers herself as just a photographer I mean she's she's done landscapes she's done still lifes yeah um,
1: I mean of, of course she's not just a fashion right. phot- by any means right
2: right and I mean, even, you know, I think she's known for doing fashion photography and, you know, celebrity portraiture, but it's just, like, not her. It's
1: interesting, too, because, like, that's where the money is. That's where the money is. And, like, you see those photo shoots, and you're like, wow, they put a lot of money into this. A lot of, Mm -hmm. um, like you said, a lot of like behind the scenes work like there's oh and they're like two
2: working. week shoots like a lot of people look at these images and like oh wow they're like really pretty but yeah they're two weeks yeah. to take a photo <laughs> yeah it's just a lot of work the whole wardrobe so you know they they bring the whole wardrobe in and it takes like a week to figure out the wardrobe and hair and makeup and mm-hmm. then you know annie has like you know a whole weekend or like a four day four or five day workload for her of taking these photographs yeah. and so for example she took a photo of the queen which only took like half an hour. And so very interesting because I wouldn't say that they butt heads, <laughs> but they're very strong women. Yes. <laughs> so Annie wanted one thing, you know, the queen wanted another thing. And so, for example, the uh, Annie was like, oh yeah, take off your crown. <laughs> oh, And the queen's like, and Ooh. hell no. Do you know how long it took me to put this thing on? <sighs> but then eventually they built a relationship. And so Annie took all of these amazing, you know, there's like this one shot of like, The queen and her corgis you know and it's just like very lifestyle portraits and i don't think anyone else has taken photos in that kind of vein before you know of like the queen just being a normal human fucking being you know and again i think that's very much like uh what hillary clinton said is that she personifies these people in in, in her portraits and it's kind of like no one really sees the queen as a human being they think of her as just like this majestic being with a yep. crown and annie's like no let's ditch the crown yeah <laughs> let's bring in the dogs yeah. <laughs> you know? i love that you know me too uh, that's and uh, that's her
1: like taking her early work mm-hmm. and her later work mm-hmm. and like melding it together and melding
2: it together like let's make this fashion yeah but a, let's also tell a story yeah and candid
1: as well mm. where it's like Let's put you in your happy element, mm-hmm. where, where you'd be doing anyway, right now, like mm-hmm. hang out with your pets,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but like high end.
2: Mm-hmm. And again, it's like always like relationship building, right? Like 30 minutes turned into probably like an hour with the queen, turned into like a day with the queen, turned yeah. into, you know? And she has this very strong personality where it's kind of hard not to like her, you know? Like yeah. she just kind of creeps in. Mm hmm. You know, whether you like working with her or not, she's just an amazing fucking human being. And uh, again, Annie, if you're listening to this, you can hire me any minute.
1: (laughs) So Annie's been celebrated a lot. She's one of those people who are lucky enough to be living while people celebrate her.
2: And she's 70. okay? damn. And she's still working.
1: Still working, still killing it. I looked her up. I saw she has like another book coming out soon.
2: Yeah. Oh my God. What is that? Like her 12th book or something? Yeah. Or she's, oh.
1: I mean, she probably has enough photos for like a hundred books. lifetime. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure
2: there's going to be books even when she passes. Like, for sure. People are just going to. And you know...
1: forever exhibits of her work.
2: And mm-hmm. she's iconic. She's definitely like the photographer of her lifetime. I yeah. mean, that I... most people know of. Like, even people who are just not into photography at all know her name know her name like yeah. they know who she is and
1: no matter who you are you mm-hmm. know an image of hers
2: mm-hmm. absolutely you might not know it's hers right like, but you've seen her yes. images <laughs> you would have to be living under a rock I think at this point to yeah not know, you know
1: and again I feel like she has such a specific way about her and the way she goes about it where you automatically are like Annie Leibovitz Annie mm-hmm. Leibovitz did this
2: yeah absolutely
1: Even from, again, the candids to the portraits Mm -hmm. to the fashion. Yeah. She is one of a kind and she has a look to her. Mm -hmm. One thing before we wrap up, I just wanted, because we talked about this a little earlier before I turned on the mics, where it's interesting because we give her all the credit, but there are so many people behind the scenes who Mm -hmm. also make these photos Mm -hmm. amazing.
2: The editing is just... And I know that she works with editors and I'm not, I'm not sure how much she works with them, but I honestly, I feel like editing is such a process that they should be credited. Like editing takes hours of work, you know, I think, you know, when you look through magazines, like there's no like photo editor that is named, you know?
1: Yeah. I'm sure they're listed somewhere, but It's not like, and It's with this editor. And
2: I I don't know,
1: but I assume she probably works with the same person Mm -hmm. for, you know, all of her Vogue shoots. She probably has, like, one person, like, that B-woman who mentored her, like, one person who's, like, really there for her and, like, contributing to those. Yeah, I'm sure
2: she works with the same team. Like, she knows, you know, she has her editor. But I feel like, you know, I feel like naming the team is so important like who's doing the hair who's doing the makeup who's doing everything you know and that's
1: kind of what this podcast is about too where it's Mm -hmm. like there are so many people behind the scenes Mm -hmm. that you haven't heard of yet like where Mm -hmm. are their stories i know so i just want people when they're looking at those images to like also remember it's not just annie she she sets up the shot she Mm -hmm. knows which like she has a vision
2: Mm -hmm. but there's so many people behind also, her. Also, you know, I don't want to discredit Annie at all. I mean, she's of worked course. so tremendously hard for what she's done. Yeah. But I think, you know, for the most part now, it just it seems like she's you know her role as a photographer. So she has a whole lighting. Yes you know, crew. So everyone's doing her lighting. Everyone's doing everything. She comes in and it's like, wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. I took the photo. Yep. This is it,
1: you know, for like all the high end super shoots.
2: Yes. That's a team. That's a whole team, you know, and she's gotten to that point where she has a team, you know, and she, she really did the grunt work to get to that point.
1: Someone should make a podcast about photography and talk about the behind the scenes (laughs) people, the lighting people. The editors. Yes. All of that. Mm-hmm. Uh costumes. Like all like it's there's just so many elements to it. There's right? so many
2: elements. It's a little crazy. And even like for the most part, honestly, photographers are unnamed, you know. Annie is only named because it's Annie, you know, yeah. she's Annie. True. You know, so she she and I think the only reason she really is named is because she has that persona, you know, yeah. like she is going in there supercharged. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you're a photographer, if you're a makeup artist, if you are a hairstylist, if you are editing the photos, you need to get in there and be supercharged and being like, no, this is who I am. Yep. And you're coming to me because of me, not necessarily because of, oh, you know, you can get this work anywhere. Yeah. You know, you have to put your stamp on something. And Annie put her stamp on something, you know, she she put her stamp on photography and you're not getting just a photo. You're getting an an Annie Lebowitz photo okay exactly you're getting that photo like that's that's a her photo that's no one else's photo
1: (laughs) before we wrap up are there any other photographers that like really speak to you that you would want
2: listeners to check out yeah so I have been following I know this is a lot of probably a lot of photographers would probably know who she is but it's Lindsay Adler and she is like a very technical photographer okay she's appeared in like you know Harper's Bazaar and etc etc but she is very technical so when it comes to like learning photography techniques Mm -hmm. she is like probably the go-to I love her I'm part of her little Facebook little photo group love it. Uh, you could absolutely just join that i think it's like Lindsay adler you know i don't i don't even know what the name is but it's probably like photographer club or something <laughs> like something ridiculous look up Lindsay adler just search search her up even on facebook and then right now i'm really digging dina goldstein she does amazing work so she has like tons of series so like right now i think she's really kind of marketing and advertising this series with like senior rock and rollers Okay. And they're, like, you know, they have the whole mohawk look with, like, the leather. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. And they're kind of, like, just, like, these, you know, grimy old dudes. And I love it. Like, these just, like, portraits of these rock and roll kind of, you know, like, they lived their whole life as rock and rollers. Yeah, that's them. So cool. Like, that's them. Yeah. You know? I love it. I dig it so so much. Um, She also does this whole fairy tale character vibe of like living in the real world. So for example, she has, and it's very, she, a lot of her images are kind of like ironic in a way I would say, or, um, juxtapositions, these, um, kind of fairy tales with, kind of serious life events so for example she pairs rapunzel as a cancer patient in a hospital i see so it's this you know this girl on a bed and she has no hair and then it's her braids kind of like cascading over her i see or she has this work where it's um snow white and she's in this like very i would say like middle class 19 like 60s to 80s kind of household where she has like you know seven kids gotcha you know, gotcha really working her ass off but you know sounds she's,
1: awesome though. yeah
2: yeah i really recommend dina I'll, gold yeah I'll check
1: those two out yeah dina gold how can
2: people check you out well you can check me out i'm on instagram mr pixie m-i-s-t-e-r pixie p-i-x-i-e um i know yeah, i really make you spell it out <laughs> Uh, But yeah, that's how you can check my stuff out. I will link that up and everything
1: as well. Any last words? You good?
2: Famous last words. Follow me. Follow? Yes! (laughs) I'm just kidding. I really don't care if you follow me. But (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I feel like, you know, if you're a photographer, you know, just look at photographers that really kind of you feel for, whether that's like street photography, you know, still art, Mm -hmm. just anything that you're kind of into. Just do it you know do it man you could use your phone you could use your tablet i actually work um so i work as a community health worker and i have uh, i run a photography walk group um with seniors and i love them so much they're so sweet um and we just take photos with our phones and our tablets and it really like when you take photos of things and you start really getting in that mindset as like you know a photographer Mm -hmm. it really is a lifestyle yeah whether you have your camera with you or not you just look at the world differently you look at the world you notice things I'm very ADHD so like I just don't pay attention to anything Mm -hmm. and so when I have my camera or even when I don't have my camera I just I've noticed that I've been noticing things more You know, like I just look at something and I'm like, oh my God, that would be a beautiful photo, you know, and whether it turns out or not, it doesn't matter. But like, you know, it kind of just like changes your life. And I think that there should be more research on like how maybe photography as a hobby would, would be a good therapy for like, let's say depression. There's a lot of research out there that suggests that when you take photos, or um, if you're a photographer, or even if you're taking photos of your food, it engages you into an activity. So for example, yeah, if you're taking photos of your meal for the day, that actually engages you. And when it comes to your satisfaction of like your life experience you it, it shows that you actually have higher satisfaction
1: that makes sense you're you're becoming present in the moment because mm-hmm. you're capturing it
2: exactly yeah you're more present and like who cares if you're gonna throw that photo out yeah you know? it's like who cares just if for you're gonna, you it's just for you or you know you're gonna post it on facebook like you know maybe no one cares that you're gonna be you're eating an egg omelet but you day. do but you do and who cares if anyone likes it you exactly. know exactly exactly don't delete your posts if no one likes them oh. <laughs> Just don't do that. I don't want to tell you to do anything. But don't delete your both. But just don't delete your book. <laughs> love it. But this yes.
1: was amazing. Thank you for telling me Annie's story. And I love talking about Annie and photography. And
2: I feel like I was just like a countless run on sentence. But I hope that people try to do their thing with photography or whatever art that they're going for, you know, and and just know like Annie Lovewood's like really like she got a lot of people famous, you know, like she was she was amused. But then she was also something more than amused. Like she like really like yeah. threw people into their. No one career. starts off at the top. Exactly. We all have to learn from
1: experience.
2: Uh, so get out there and do it yourself. Yeah, just fucking do it. Yeah, You know, like even if it's shit. Yeah, just do just it. Do it. And laugh it off later.
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> like you're, you're, You'll progress if you worked at it. You know what I mean?
1: Thank you so much for this. I loved doing this. And so happy we needed to do it in person because it made it so much better. Oh, so. so much
2: better. Drinking wine on my floor.
1: All right. Well, till next time.
2: Till next time.
1: Muses is researched, edited, and produced by Lynx O'Leary.